It is First Freedom Day. Each of us has more religious freedom right now than ever before in our lifetimes. We're going to tell you why. Hi, I'm Stuart Shepard, and this is a very special edition of First Liberty Live. We're trying something today we have not done before, and that is we're going live to YouTube and our First Liberty Live channel, as well as Facebook at the same time. Uh, so if we have some uh, bobbles along the way, just forgive us. It's new technology, and we're figuring it out. But so far, it looks like it's working, which is, which is a good sign. Uh, First Freedom Day is our celebration of the one-year anniversary of Coach Joe Kennedy winning at the Supreme Court. We're going to talk about that and other cases at the Supreme Court that will have an impact on Americans all across uh, all 50 states and beyond. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Stephanie Taub is senior counsel here at First Liberty. She's also the attorney who watches over religious freedom in the workplace for us. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Stuart. Thanks for having me on. And I'm going to mention, too, that where she lives, they had severe storms come through, and she went without power for 27 hours prior to doing this live interview. So thank you <laughs> for, for making we time to be here. We barely got in the, back home in time for the interviews. So we're glad you're <laughs> glad safe. Glad to be and, with you. Glad you're safe and okay. Uh, first, let's talk about the reason for this day. Coach Joe Kennedy, uh, just 365 days ago, uh, had his victory announced at the U.S. Supreme Court. First, just give us a quick summary of that case for people who may not have heard of it. What's it about? Absolutely. So Coach Joe Kennedy, he was a beloved high school football coach at Bremerton High School, and he had this personal prayer practice. So he made a promise to God that after every football game, he would take a knee in silent prayer at the 50 yard gap at the 50 yard line to say a prayer of Thanksgiving. It was a very, very quiet, but sometimes silent prayer where they would he would give thanks for the players, for the team, for what happened. And this was going on for years and years and years without any any sort of complaint, any sort of incident. But then once the school got, the school officials got wind of his prayer practice, they decided to censor him. And they thought that perhaps someone somewhere might interpret this as being an official endorsement of religion on behalf of the school officials. And so they told him to knock it off. And when he and when Coach Kennedy wouldn't violate his uh, his conscience, his personal dedication to God, um, then he was first faced with this decision. Does he continue to keep his job or does he stay true to his religious beliefs? And he chose his religious beliefs. He lost his job and the case went all the way to the United States Supreme Court. And, and he's now been rehired by the Bremerton School District. That's all he asked for in his suit uh, was to get his job back and for the freedom to be able to say that personal prayer on the 50-yard line after the games. So as my understanding is, I mean, they're, they're doing spring football practice and that sort of thing there in Washington. And on September 1st is the first football game. And uh, I'm hoping to be there to, to see Coach Joe Kennedy take a knee as announced and protected by the U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it was such a monumental opinion. Um, so that's why we're celebrating First Freedom Day here. About a year ago, uh, Coach Kennedy's opinion came down and it didn't just protect coaches' rights to personal prayer. It went far beyond that. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about how things have changed in the court system in the years since. What's different now than before that day one year ago? Yeah, so really you have to go back decades um, to a case called Lemon v. Kurtzman. Um, and so this was the rule for around 50 years um, when it basically established this 
test for whether there was a violation of the First Amendment. And it was a very, it was a very strict test. It was a very um, not friendly to religion test. Yeah. So essentially, if if it looks like the government is endorsing religion, if it looks like the government is somehow um, somehow putting its thumbs on the scales and and like giving its seal of approval to religion, then uh, that's not okay. And um, and so this had the predictable results of making school officials, school administrators, government officials across the country nervous about allowing the free speech, the free exercise of teachers and students, when even when they're talking in their personal capacity. So, so many, um, we saw so many cases of teachers and students, um, their private speech was censored They because schools are thinking, oh no, if we allow if we allow private speech about religion in the same way we allow it about everything else, then maybe someone somewhere might have a problem with that and we could get sued. <laughs> so the Supreme Court um, clarified that teachers do have First Amendment rights, that stu students do have First Amendment rights. You can kneel in a quiet or silent prayer. You can bow your head at the cafeteria um, to say a prayer. You can wear um, religious attires like, like yarmulkes and, and cross necklaces and things like that. Um, so this is the school can't censor you just because someone might might be able to tell that you're doing something religious. Yeah, and on our, uh, our newly released audio podcast, we have a recent episode where Chris Friend sat down with uh, Kelly Shackelford and Hiram Sasser, and they go into the, for those that want more of the nuts and bolts of that, to get down into the legal aspects of it, they really unpack that in a, in a very good way. I encourage people to go to firstliberty.org and just look for our podcast, and it's the most recent episode. Uh, you may find that interesting if you're someone who wants to know the very, very specifics about that. Stephanie, the other aspect of this, which I thought was really interesting because I've been around these cases for years and it's the idea of the offended observer that all you have to do is be offended and you can bring a lawsuit and and for example one of the early first liberty cases that that really caught my attention was the Mojave Desert Cross there's there's a cross on government property literally in the middle of the desert and someone actually got in their car and drove all the way out into the desert so that they could say they were offended and bring suit. How does this impact that? Does this also change that? Yeah, so offended observer standing is on really shaky ground um, after the Coach Kennedy case. And uh, if, you, if you zoom back, in order to bring a case in court, you usually have to be harmed. You have to have some sort of actual harm um, in order to in order to sue in anyone. the, in the legal sense not physical yeah, harm but just you have to show something yeah yeah you have to show some sort of harm i mean it's usually physical harm but sometimes it's um pain and suffering things like that it's usually not just being offended by the existence of something and yeah. so this is a very unusual rule that was carved out specifically for people to bring um establishment clause challenges um, to things that they're offended by. So this is def this is a complete um, anomaly <laughs> when it comes to, uh, I guess to put that mildly, yeah. um, just a, a carve out to allow people to bring cases under the lemon test. But now that the lemon test is no longer alive, uh, it calls really calls into question whether offended observer standing um, is still a viable theory. So hopefully yeah. the courts will bring more clarity on that aspect as well. 
And that's why we've been encouraging people as part of our Restoring Faith in America campaign that we're, we're uh, announcing this year and, and encouraging people to be part of. You can go to rfia.org, that's Restoring Faith in America, rfia.org, and, and read about that. But you were talking about uh, bringing back nativity scenes or prayer at uh, county government meetings or a school board meetings or whatever. That's what we're talking about is that those things that were pressed out of the public eye because of the lemon test, there were, a, Kelly Shackelford likes to say that there are 7,000 citations in the law that relied on lemon as their basis. And basically, we can now push back against all of those and say, bring back the Ten Commandments monument, bring back the, the cross on the water tower, all of those things. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely arguments to be made in a lot of these cases, because for historically, it's been seen as perfectly fine, perfectly constitutional to recognize that there are people in this country that are people of faith, that faith plays an important role in many communities. And so a lot of these sorts of monuments that are at issues, we're talking about things like veterans memorials, they recognize the community that's existing at the time. And merely to acknowledge people of faith along with everyone else is should not be a violation of the constitution and so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of open questions now after um, after cases um, like the Bladensburg cross case so the new test is history and tradition right that's right all right and so we'll be using those words a lot I suspect in the years to come the Supreme Court is finishing up its current session uh, on Friday so every few days for the, for the, really since last week, in the middle of last week, we've been gathering together each morning uh, on those days when the Supreme Court is announcing the results of cases. I have a photo here that we took this morning. This was one of those days. Um, uh, this is us gathered together, some of the attorneys, our public relations team, Gerald Groff, who is uh, the person that we're representing at the Supreme Court. Uh, Randy Wanger's in that photo. He's with the Independence Law Center out of Pennsylvania that brought this suit initially and, and invited us to be part of it as it went to the Supreme Court. Um, Stephanie, the, the Groff case, is about to come down. I mean, we're already getting requests from various news outlets wanting to talk to him even before it comes down to, to just get his thoughts about it. What's our expectation on that? And how soon might we know what, what the results are? Yeah, so there are seven more cases that we're waiting for the United States Supreme Court to rule on. They usually save some of their biggest ones for the very last few days before the justices go. <laughs> kind of like a fireworks break. display where the, the grand finale <laughs> happens, yeah. Yeah, so we have been waiting, um, just refreshing um, <laughs> to see to see what the uh, Supreme Court is going to drop the opinions in some of the biggest cases. And so this one is our faithful carrier case. And it's it's a very important case for people across the country because this is affecting everyone's rights to a religious accommodation at work. So this is protecting, we're trying to protect religious freedom in the workplace. So employees have a right to not be discriminated against at work on the basis of their religious beliefs. And this includes, you may have a right to a religious accommodation in many circumstances, um, but the courts have not necessarily been clear on when you do have a right to a religious accommodation. And so that's what this case is about. So it's not just about um, Gerald Groff, although it would greatly impact um, his case personally um, against the post office. The post office denied his ability to observe the Sabbath on Sundays. 
um, even though it certainly could have accommodated him. The post office is a pretty large carrier, so they, they could have indeed. worked something out. Yeah. Yeah. Go As, ahead. And so, yeah. I'm yeah, letting so you we're, finish we're your story. We're waiting anxiously. This is a case that could um, <laughs> impact um, the religious freedom rights of employees across the country. And, and the encouraging part of this, the next day the court will uh, release opinions is Thursday. That's the only day they've announced. But the end of the session is Friday. So maybe Thursday or Friday. We'll, we'll see which day that comes down. Uh, we're very positive about the likely outcome of this because of what happened during the argument at the Supreme Court. It seemed like they weren't discussing whether Gerald Groff was right. They were discussing what should the new standard be. Am I saying that right? Yeah, you're right. Um, so virtually no one thinks that the uh, the law that was in effect for decades is correct um, because the the all right. So the, going back, Title seven protects your right to a religious accommodation unless the employ employer can prove that there was an undue hardship on the business. Right. And so the question is, what is an undue hardship? And so there was a case from the 1970s that said undue hardship um, is really just uh, a minimal cost on employers. And so for decades, employers could get away with just pointing to something, some triviality, some minor inconvenience to justify denying religious accommodations to its employees. And, and no one really thinks that that was a faithful or good or accurate um, interpretation of what Congress meant. So we are arguing, okay, when it said undue hardship, that doesn't mean a triviality. That means you need to really provide meaningful religious accommodations to people of faith. And so we've got really strong textual arguments that that's what Congress meant. So the Supreme Court shouldn't be able to just rewrite the law in the way that it wants to. And we're hoping that the court will correct this injustice and really provide meaningful protections for religious employees across the country. And, and there's another case. I mean, this is, and it's God's favor that's allowing us to do this work right now. I mean, no one can plan to do the things that First Liberty is getting to do right now. We're not that good, and we know that. But uh, we've been watching for Aaron and Melissa Klein's case to get some kind of word back. The Supreme Court, we, we filed an appeal for it to hear the case again. They already sent it back to Oregon once, uh, saying, you got it wrong, fix it. Oregon still wants to punish the, the Kleins. And now it's back at the Supreme Court, but a weird thing has happened. They neither took the case nor turned it away. They're just holding it. What does that mean and what are we anticipating? Yeah, that's right. So you may remember the bakers out of Oregon that um, could not in good conscience create a, a wedding cake for a same-sex wedding ceremony. Um, and so their case, Aaron and Melissa Klein's case, went all the way up to the Supreme Court once and then it got kicked back down and now it's going all the way back up to the Supreme Court again. Um, it's been going on for about 10 years now yep. at this point. It's It's been quite quite a journey. Um, and so we're waiting for the court to, to rule on their case. We are arguing that the, the client's First Amendment rights were not protected. And so we strongly suspect that the court um, the court's decision in the upcoming 303 creative case will impact the client's case, we're hoping very favorably. The 303 creative case it has to do with a wedding website designer who um, could not create wedding websites, custom wedding websites for um, same-sex weddings. And so you can see how the one might impact the other. And so we're hopeful that this is one of 
that's the 303 creative case is one of the seven cases that we're waiting on um, for the next in the next couple of days that we'll see. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Will, uh, and, and we should acknowledge 303 Creative is brought by our friends over at Alliance Defending Freedom. So we've been watching that one carefully because of the similarities. And it's only assumption that the court is holding it until they do something with that. But we have no idea at this moment what they might do with the client's case. It could go many different ways, right? That's right. So we are um, we are waiting and we're hopeful for a positive outcome for the clients. Yeah, I, I hope they win and win big. Um, anything else you'd like to share before I let you go? I really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you so much. There's there's so much happening at the Supreme Court. We are just so excited um, to celebrate the anniversary of the Kennedy, the Coach Kennedy decision that really changed the landscape of um, of religious freedom law in this country. We're hopeful that the um, faithful carrier case will change the the landscape of religious freedom at work and continue to follow us at firstliberty.org. Very good. Stephanie, thank you so much. Great chatting with you. Always good talking to you. Hope the power stays on. (laughs) Thank you. I (laughs) hope so too. And thank you for being part of this episode today. Uh, She won't say so, but Stephanie Taub is one of the best attorneys in the country. And she's very good at what she does. And we're very honored to have her working with us as part of First Liberty Institute. She's been with us for a very long time. And she's representative of the kind of representation that our clients get. And one of the key, key aspects of the work that we do, we're a nonprofit organization. So the only way that we're able to do these cases is because of the faithful support of people just like you. Our clients never get a bill. Coach Joe Kennedy, no bill from us. Gerald Groff. We're not going to charge him anything. Same thing for Aaron and Melissa Klein and all the others that we represent. We're only able to do that because there are people like you who care about these issues as much as we do. And that's part of why we wanted to have First Freedom Day. We're coming up on our fiscal year end. It's the end of our business year, if you will, at the end of June. And as part of that, we just if you would like to be part of this effort, part of these victories that are uh, that have happened, are in the process of happening and that we pray will be happening in the future. If you'd like to see those positive outcomes in the real world, we invite you to to join up with First Liberty Institute. Just go to firstliberty.org and uh, there's a pop-up right now for First Freedom Day. On any other day, you can click on the donate link. But we encourage you to do that right now, especially because uh, we have a $350,000 challenge grant Uh, It's basically someone who said, I want to show other people how much faith I have in the work that First Liberty does. So they dropped $350,000 to say, this is how significant this work is. And they're challenging you to uh, also give and to support this work. So right now, it it maximizes the impact of your gift if you give between now and June 30th. We encourage you to do it today. Don't put it off. First Liberty is fighting for what matters most.